Leo, Justin, Brandon, we're really, really excited to have you guys on The Based Space. My name is Mewtwo, and I'm the founder of The Space, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Ace and Super. Say what's up, guys. <laughs> if they're there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was drafting the tweet on the other screen. No, you got to go, bro. <laughs> and I know I know Super's working. He's, uh, he's working double shifts, guys. He's trying to build up his crypto stack so he might be a little quiet this episode i think he's actually still at the restaurant right now <laughs> working what was the so, question you just saying what's up bro <laughs> say what's well, up <laughs> i'm trying to get out of here so i can continue on the uh on the interview <laughs> i'm trying to roll nah, you you're good bro we're all we're all grinding out here uh yeah, man. So, uh, Leo, Justin, Brandon, I know we've, we've never had you guys on the base space. We're really excited to dive into Pangolin. Um, but before we do that, I always like to kind of get to know the, get to know you guys a little bit more, um, maybe at a very high level and, and very quickly, because there's three of you. Um, I would just be curious, like Leo, uh, Justin, Brandon, how'd you guys actually get started like within the crypto space? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, I'd like each of us to be able to comment on our stories. But uh, just for myself, um, you know, as an investor and a user for many years, it's like 2016, just crypto really spoke to me. And then DeFi came out and Ethereum came out and that blew my mind. Uh, I was a software developer for many years and I've always wanted to build in the space. I found this great opportunity on Avalanche uh, building DeFi here. And then Pangolin needed a core team. And so I teamed up with uh, Justin and Brandon to start working on Pangolin. We've been running it for three or four months now, and it's been going really great here. What about you guys, uh, Justin and Brandon? Yeah, so um, I first found uh, Bitcoin in about, I don't know, 2013. I was still living in South Africa at the time, um, and there was quite a big hardware community there, and obviously a lot of people were well into it. Uh, and then I kind of drifted around, found Ethereum a bit later. It was still quite immature, and then kind of really jumped uh, over the past year or so full-time into crypto um obviously you know once the tooling matured past a certain point and you saw how much incredible technology and all of the cool things that were being built um it was kind of just a no-brainer to switch i come from more of like an enterprise background um you know kind of building traditional financial systems and it, it, it obviously sucked at my soul quite badly and uh when, when i got the opportunity to jump into crypto full-time it was like a no-brainer Yeah, I think I've been playing around and kind of fascinated with the idea of digital assets themselves uh, since probably like mid 2000 or so. And I kind of been in and out with uh, various bot developments uh, for automated trading and strats that people will, will come to you and say, I've got this great idea. I've made, you know, $10. I'm like, okay, cool. Can you, can you quantify that? Let's, let's write it up. And then they can't. So I've been doing that on and off. I got into uh, the larger crypto space about 2017. Um, right in time for the crash. It was fun. Um, and then kind of got a little uh, burned by Ethereum. And so the middle of uh, about January this year came over to Avalanche uh, with rumors of great developers and cool apps. And I uh, kind of just started pitching where I could, found the Pangolin team and been helping out and now on the core team ever since. Damn. I appreciate you guys dive, diving into that. I mean... Dude, how did you how did you guys actually like first hear about the Avalanche ecosystem? And you you were mentioning Brandon that you kind of got burned by Ethereum. Can you kind of touch on like what you meant by that? Yeah, so I've you know going through the portfolio of assets I've got, trying to find you know optimal places to put them, where I can just kind of leave them there and let them do their thing over time. Um, and so I came across the the Volt concept on Ethereum. Um, with Yearn, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world that you would have software to automate other software that automates software to get yield. And so I put some die in there, not realizing that it would cost more than I would ever earn just to deposit the damn die. And it cost even more to get it back out at the end. Like I was, I think I lost like a hundred something just, just playing around with that. I was furious. Um, and at about that point, uh, the Avalanche Bridge was coming up uh, with Pangolin. And I heard about that and came over here to check that out because I heard it was community run, community owned. I thought that was, again, the coolest freaking thing ever. And I would lose a couple hundred bucks playing around with it uh, and kind of fell in love. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things about Pangolin is that it is community owned, a hundred percent. And I'm I'm super curious, like how were you how were you guys actually elected as the core team members of Pangolin? Um, I might jump in on this one. Uh, yeah, so so we all were contributing to Pangolin, you know, like in our free time, in our spare time. All of us were kind of in the Discord. We're kind of looking at the code, talking about it, and uh, and then yeah. So Connor was the original developer from Ava Labs, and he he created you know the lion's share of 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 the protocol, and um, yeah, we were talking and we we're talking about the things, and he just didn't have time, and they were trying to transition to community governed and once they got the governance in in place it was at that point we could kind of make a pitch for a core team so you know so what we then needed to do was we needed to gather i think it was like a million png in order to then put an on-chain proposal up and that on-chain proposal was myself leo and brandon to then be elected as a core team as well as transfer a certain amount of money or png from the core treasury into like a multi-sig wallet, which we would then uh, be able to use to kind of pay for day-to-day expenditures, salaries, things like that. And um, yeah, and then, you know, we kind of put our, we put our, our best foot forward. Uh, some people were incredibly supportive. There was pushback, it's crypto, there's always some pushback. Um, but the vote actually passed with like, there wasn't a single no, um, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. And Chase and I always are talking about governance and how that's the future of crypto. Isn't that so cool, Chase? Yeah, I, I will say, though, it is going to be like really interesting to see this like governance model scale, you know, as we like grow and become, you know, communities of millions of people. Like, what does that governance model kind of look like and what are going to be like the best practices that uh, kind of come up along the way? It's like a really it's going to be like a really interesting like case study. And you guys are kind of like, you know some of the trailblazers. So it's, it's really cool. Um, I'm actually like curious, like, so for the people who may not even know what Pangolin is, could you guys kind of dive into uh, what you guys actually kind of do for the ecosystem? Yeah, I can take that one. Um, so, you know, Pangolin is a DEX, a decentralized exchange using the automated market maker AMM model that Uniswap pioneered. So if you've ever used DeFi, you've probably swapped tokens on like a Uniswap, SushiSwap, PancakeSwap. Um, and it's just a great way to decentralize swapping tokens. So Pangolin was created for that purpose. You know, people want to trade tokens. They want to farm for liquidity. Um, and Pangolin offers both. So on one side, we have you know, just hundreds of tokens that you can swap for. A lot of them are avalanche native projects. And we have yield farming. Um, the liquidity in our app is provided by users, and we incentivize that through PNG token rewards. So it's uh, it's two sides of a great coin, and that's what we offer. And we were in the biggest decks on Avalanche since since the inception. Uh, we were created by Ava Labs and then handed off to this uh, this current team. So that's us. That's super cool. Um, yeah, it's basically almost identical uh, to how the Uniswap DEX works, guys. Uh, it's very, very, very similar. Um, but in terms of like the PNG token, can you kind of go into like what is the PNG token and how does it fit into the protocol? Yeah, Brandon, you want to take this one? Sure. Yeah, so the, the original kind of big grand scheme value of the PNG token is to be used as a governance token. You can't have a community-owned project without some notion of ownership. Um, that is the PNG token. And so the kind of the idea beyond incentivizing liquidity is just to have people that are using the app by providing liquidity to ensure they have a share in the project. Right. So if you're providing a large amount of liquidity, you're providing a large benefit to other users to swap with good depth. And so you get PNG rewards for doing that. Um, and you can use that PNG token to do uh, to participate in votes for on-chain process. So we've had a couple of big votes already, um, kind of picking out market makers, uh, determining how rewards are allocated for different pairs, kind of key values, the, the big one being hiring a team, like who you want to work here regularly. Um, and then we've also done some stuff off-chain uh, through the snapshot voting system, which will use your PNG in your wallet. It's in a liquidity pool that's being given by rewards. Wherever you got it, you can reference that value. Um, that's how we kind of grab sentiment for decisions that don't require the full process of on-chain voting. Um, but we want to gather uh, sentiment from people or decisions from people 
they don't have to pay gas to do that. Yeah, and you kind of touched you guys have kind of touched on the governance a little bit. Um, I'm curious, like if I'm a community member and I wanted to submit a proposal, what does that current process look like? Yeah, so again, anybody can do it. Uh, there's a couple of threshold requirements. Like you have to have gathered up enough people with PNG together to make that submission. So you, um, you can also have other folks delegate their PNG to you where they say, hey, I trust your decision-making. I'm gonna give you my voting power, but not necessarily give you my PNG. You need at least 1 million PNG kind of gathered like that to make a proposal. And then it'll go up for voting for three days where anybody with also that has PNG can vote. And then a few days later, right now it'll be two days later, um, that proposal will be executed. And whenever the, the contents of that code was, will be put on chain and done. Yeah, and is, is a lot of that communication happening through like a Discord channel or, or a Telegram in terms of like the community coming together and deciding like, uh, you know, how to gather those 1 million tokens to have a proposal go through? Yeah, I think we have uh, like an assortment of communication uh, channels. So Discord is obviously pretty pretty popular for, for us. Uh, we've got a discourse, so like a, a forum where people can put more like long form type posts together. We've also got the Telegram. So really it's up to the community. I mean, generally, you know, it, it seems to be a better place to do it on the community forum just because you can expand a bit more in detail about what you're proposing. So that's generally like, for example, when we wanted the core team elected, that's the, the medium we used in order to uh, express what we were going to do uh, and kind of canvas for those votes. Uh, but then there's obviously, you know, kind of some conversations that happen around. So, for example, there's a lot of very cool other projects in the ecosystem that might hold quite a lot of PNG. Um, so I see some snowball uh, legends in, the, in in here. And, you know, so sometimes what that might entail is going to these projects that might have a PNG holding and see whether they support your proposal. And if that then occurs, well then, you know, the community generally tends to move together. Is there a, is there like an ability to kind of call like a revote um, for maybe like a proposal that potentially kind of flew under the radar, but in retrospect ended up kind of being um, unpopular? That's a great question. Um, I'll let Brandon take it, sorry. Yeah, so I guess I want to make sure I understand the question. If if somebody made a proposal, right now there's a three-day voting period after a one-day kind of heads-up period to get your PNG in the right spot. And you're saying if that proposal didn't get enough eyes on it and it didn't pass, could you resubmit that? Or are you talking the other way? Uh, kind of in a sense, like, uh, you know, there was... Um, there's an instance with another DeFi product where rewards, um, there's kind of a discrepancy on who wanted rewards renewed and uh, a vote didn't pass. And so there was kind of like a like a leniency period where like a new vote could be spun up and had like a chance to like, go, go back through. Um, or let's say just a, for this example, let's just say that a like kind of like a hostile takeover, if you will, where it was kind of a um, a bad vote for the community at large, but it passed by a narrow margin. Could the larger community come back to the table to call a revote um, to make remake like those changes or no? Is it kind of like once a vote goes through, it's finalized? Okay, yeah, that's actually a really interesting concept. Um, and so that, that's kind of part of the, the setup there is once a vote is proposed, there's a full 24 hours before voting even starts. And then there's three days to get in there and make your decision known by voting. After that, there's another period before it gets executed. But once that vote passes at the end of the voting period, it can be executed by anyone. Um, so if it passed, it, it passed. That's kind of one of the biggest benefits of holding PNG is your direct interaction with that process. So if something did pass, right, it's gonna be, you know, the whole code is law concept. There could be another proposal immediately afterwards to kind of take a different approach to it, but you'd have to go through the same process again with another voting period. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then it, I guess like I'm also curious, like in, in terms of like 
planning future development if multiple proposals roll out uh, at a rapid p- pace? How are you guys planning to like prioritize um, that? Is that kind of up to the, the core team here? Uh, what actually gets prioritized in terms of development? Yeah, I can take that one. So the proposals um, generally aren't like, hey, please spend three months to build this feature. It's more uh, like getting funds to spend it on something such as like a market maker or hiring a team or changing a parameter of a smart contract. Uh, for example, we just turned on the fee switch in the Uniswap V2 contract that routes uh, 0.05% of swap fees to, uh, to another place. So uh, in terms of prioritizing, I guess um, there's not really a lot of time investment to the on-chain proposals. I guess where that would get um, be a little bit different is with the snapshot proposals. But yeah, the, the work that the, the team actually does, it's nice that the community trusts us enough to be autonomous with the features we build and where we spend our you know development time and things like that. So that's a little separated still. Um, which is good, I think. You know, a lot of the problems that we faced early on, the growing pains, were our processes were way too slow. We were voting on everything. If we wanted to change a farm multiplier from a nine to a ten, that was three days of voting. Or adding a new pool, that was a million PNG just to get uh, like the snowball token uh, PNG rewards. Which, you know, that's a very slow process. Whereas other dexes, other farms, they can just add it at will because they're centralized. So we had to find a healthy balance. I hope that kind of answers your question. I had, yeah, me too. Go ahead. If that answer your question, I have a follow-up question around this. So it's like, just like sparked an interesting like idea. Okay. Um, I'm actually curious, like if I understand correctly, so you guys are essentially employed by the community. Is that accurate? Yeah, we like to think of it that way, right? Um, the funds that we have in our budget, you know, they were the original intention is those are the community's tokens, right? They were set aside for the development of the project for the benefit of all PNG holders, all Pangolin users. So that's kind of how we approach our building and our spending and our time, too. Um, you know, a good example would be like, you know, hey, we, we want to build this really cool thing that we really like. But if it only benefits, let's say, 10% of our users, we should be prioritizing another feature that like 90% of our users want. Um, and so that's good because you know it pleases uh, the community. Uh, in a, on the other side of the coin, uh, sometimes it's not as competitive because sometimes you know we have a different perspective on the project where we know that something would give us a competitive edge, but it's just not a popular idea, and then we don't do it. But, but maybe that's a good thing too, right? Because we're not, that's not the ethos of the project. It's not to just, um, you know, take it in that direction. It's a community-driven project. So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting vibe. Yeah, so kind of like where I'm going with this question is like, you know, let's extrapolate this out three to five years from now whenever this model is kind of scaled out a little bit more and you have um, community-owned protocols and you kind of have community-hired uh, devs I'm curious, like, what what is like the best practices look like in terms of like holding devs um, kind of accountable, like under like KPIs, if that makes sense, to kind of ensure that you know you're, you're um, you know, yeah, that's a really or, good topic, and it's something we've been yeah. discussing internally. And I'd like uh, Justin or Harry Selden to touch upon this: is you know, how do you keep people motivated, um, you know, if they're just hourly or salaried employees, right? You want to touch on this one, Justin? I would love to. Thanks, Leo. Great questions, uh, gentlemen. Yeah, really cool. Uh, yeah, this is it, it's so, so I guess the thing is, we've got to be careful. We don't repeat the sins of enterprise and corporate institutions. Uh, personally, I've worked in institutions where they gave me KPIs and that's I, I don't know if I want to go back there personally. So being part of a community dex means we're building for the community. It means we're, we're trying to make sure that all the benefits of what we're doing accrues to the community. Um, what that means is sometimes, you know, uh, you, you, you've got to take a, a slightly different lens on these sorts of things. So 
you know, do I want a developer to say, oh, yeah, you, you wrote 5,000 lines of code in a week. Okay, cool. Well, you get extra 100 PNG. I don't know if that's personally, I, I don't think that's a good model. What I want from developers is I want them to feel that they can be creative and that they can build awesome, innovative solutions. Um, and we should be, as a community, facilitate them to be the best developer they can be and to build the coolest stuff that they can build. Like that's what I see as a community is we got to support these devs and create like healthy environments for them to be the best devs that they can be. And then the cool work and the, the you know, innovative protocols, that's just a natural result of that. And it's really tough in crypto and DeFi as well. I mean, there, there are definitely KPIs for, for DEXs, like, you know, swap volume or TVL are kind of thrown around a lot. But sometimes you'll develop features or take some actions and what's going on in the market will trump over any individual contribution. So sometimes it's tough to tell, like, the actual cause of an effect that you're measuring and kind of link those back to, to who's, you know, responsible or, or should be rewarded for that. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you guys' input. It's, it's going to be an interesting future. Um, you know, I think right now it's not so much um, a big issue, but I think as like this industry grows and grows and we have millions of people, um, I think that dynamic is going to be something that's like really interesting. And I think there's going to be like best practices that come out, um, you know, because I think it is like, it could kind of lead to a potential of like uh, individuals kind of like gaming the community. Um, and potentially kind of like taking rewards or taking kind of like money out of the system while not necessarily actually contributing as much as um, could be done, if that makes sense. Like bad actors, uh, essentially, is what I'm getting at, um, uh, being able to like, identify that. I think you're spot on. I think you're already seeing that happening. Um, you know, sometimes what happens is the people that invest in these protocols, they don't often see what happens behind closed doors or maybe they don't really know enough about crypto um and you, you're I, I feel what you described is we're already starting to see that if i'm being perfectly honest um the way i kind of see it is like I, I always think of like you know in in basically in greek um you know so basically they invented philosophy and all of the kind of modern systems of, of, of the modern western world and what happened was because all of those were kind of these city states that kind of developed independently, but then also shared resources. And I think that's what we're gonna to start to see in crypto is you're gonna see a lot of people inspired by other protocols, take the lessons learned from those protocols and then iterate incredibly fast. Cause that's like DeFi moves incredibly fast. But what you're gonna do is we're all gonna learn from each other. And that's gonna create this awesome body of knowledge that we see in this evolution, um, which is incredibly exciting. I guess to come back to those people extracting value at the expense of the community, I mean, that's human nature. I think, unfortunately, that's going to happen regardless. Open source, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, you guys said it. This 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 space is just moving so quickly. Um, it's developing so fast. I mean, it's so exciting just to be here at, at this stage. I'm, I'm I'm literally learning something new every single day, um, and it's it's incredible. So, and kudos to you guys for helping to build the groundwork for these community driven projects because we really need people like you to step forward and do that. Um. Did want to see, uh, touch back on like the tokenomics uh, of the project. I was wondering if you guys had any plans for staking um, in the roadmap. Wait. Uh, let me let me tell you about staking. <laughs> so staking actually went live in our app yesterday. Um, it was a pretty big event. The community is very excited about it. And what's cool about our staking is it's part of the Avalanche Rush program. So. We wanted to have staking for a while now. We were trying to decide how to best fund it. We could fund it with emissions. We could fund it with swap fees. Um, and then the Avalanche Rush program started, and we were talking to them. Uh, Luigi is leading that program for Ava Labs, and we were like, well, this is a great opportunity. Let's, you know, let's use AVAX from Avalanche Rush for Pangolin staking. Um, so that was pretty perfect. And now we have a three-month program going where we received $2 million in AVAX from Avalanche Rush. And now PNG stakers can stake for AVAX. 
the APR is pretty good. I think it's around 80% right now. Um, so the whole community is really excited about that. I think in one day, about like 12% of the circulating supply of PNG moved into that staking contract. So very popular. Let's go. That's massive. Yo, huge congrats, dude. Um, that's so cool. How are you guys? Obviously, you're loving the Avalanche Rush um, project. Like, what's your overall feel around Avalanche Rush? Do you feel like AVAX is doing a really good job to kind of incentivize people to move from Ethereum into the Avalanche ecosystem? I'll take this one. Um, I, I think Avalabs, I mean, my impression of them is they are just incredible. They've been so supportive, helpful, um, put us in touch with so many cool people. Um, the Rush program is is very cool. I mean, but we, we've, we've kind of seen this before though, right? So we've seen it at Polygon and, and Phantom, I think followed quite closely on the heels of Avalanche. So the Rush program, is it awesome? Yes, of course it is. The, the, the challenge is to create an environment so that when people come over, they stay in the long term. And that's where I think, you know, that we're, the ecosystem is doing a really great job is we've got to provide these cool DeFi protocols. We've got to provide a nice welcoming environment where people, you know, find the support they need and they, you know, it's a cool place to come hang out. And that's, I think, going to be the long term legacy is how many of those people that came over with these crazy yields actually stuck around. Yeah, do you, do you guys feel like the speed um, and the low fees are enough to, to keep people within the ecosystem? Or do you think that there's like a, a next leg up that Avalanche needs to take to kind of incentivize people to stay? I mean, I, I, I'm a, if anyone that knows me knows I'm a massive subnet nerd. Um, so like if, if, if you know Polkadot and you know Kusama, they've got the parachains, right? Um, which creates this kind of like interesting dynamic. So, you know, the C chain, which is where everything's happening on Avalanche, is very cool. I think the fact that it's super fast, that the fees are low, um, there's some cool protocols there, and there's a nice burgeoning ecosystem, that's very cool. But what, like me personally, like Subnet is going to blow that door wide open. Um, it's the same reason why I think Polkadot's so cool, you know, um, except the thing is Polkadot only has 100, uh, whereas Avalanche doesn't have a limit, which is just mind-blowing to me yeah um it's kind of like a, a it's going to have like entire blockchain ecosystems within like one blockchain right that's kind of like the yeah like the way i describe it is blockchain as a service so let's say for example you want to build something cool right now most of these guys then in like two years ago or whenever you had to literally build your own consensus mechanism you know you had to build all of this stuff um, all of this crazy groundwork you had to do. Nowadays, like with Avalanche, it's like you can just rent that infrastructure. So it's like blockchain as a service, and then you can just build your cool stuff like underneath it, which, yeah, I think it's 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 such a cool concept. Yeah. No, I, I know, uh, you know, Solana is having their, their nice run right now, but I do think um, Avalanche will be like a real contender in uh, in the future and will be, uh, I think it's massively undervalued uh, currently. So I, I, I'm right there with you. It's really exciting stuff. I'm actually curious. So switching gears, I did notice I was looking. Um, so I'm going to invest in Alliance block. Um, I also do have PNG as well. But I noticed that you guys are listed on their roadmap and you guys are uh, partnered with them. Are you guys the only deck solution in the uh, Alliance block ecosystem? And, and if you guys could, I don't know, I'm not sure if you guys are able to talk on that too much, but if you guys could just kind of expand on what that partnership looks like. Okay, is it okay if I take this one, Leo, or you want to hit us? Oh, that's all you, Justin. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks, mate. Um, Alliance Block are amazing. So, like, the fact that you brought them up makes me very happy. They're incredible. Um, it, it's an interesting one, though, because you're going to see some – it's going to be polarizing for some people. So to answer your question, are we the only decks uh, that they're partnered with? I believe so. However, I don't know that for 100% sure. So don't hold me to it. Um, the reason why, so, so the first thing is we, we, we kind of got introduced to the Lions block really for the, they had a liquidity mining program and we were discussing that. 
Um, but I'm a big fan of quant and quant and that kind of led me down this rabbit hole, right? So then I started looking at Alliance Block. And then I was like, hang on, Alliance Block is partnered with Quant. They partner with the London Stock Exchange. They're just like, they're like super legitimate. And then I was like, okay, cool. Well, what's the story here? And then I read the, the the white paper. And at that stage, like we were doing, well, I was like, we were doing Sherpa, which is zero knowledge, right? So I kind of went down this rabbit hole with zero knowledge. And I was like, okay, what happens if regulators force us to do KYC? Well, and then I got super concerned because if people force KYC down, you, you can't prevent hacks, right? Because most KYC providers, like in my opinion, are very, very bad at keeping your data safe and uh, secure. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, then I read a paper about zero knowledge KYC. And then Alliance Block actually does zero knowledge KYC. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. If we're forced to do KYC, this is the only KYC that respects our users. And then, then I kind of got started digging in deeper and then we got to know the Alliance Block team. And then they've got like also this bridge, which is like a regulatory compliant bridge. So what that means is let's say, for example, you wanted to offer uh, a tokenized version of the London Stock Exchange as an example. You could then have a bridge which brought that actual uh, security into Pangolin and it, it adhered to all of the KYC and AML requirements. You could then allow users on Pangolin to opt into KYC and trade those regulated products. So like the use cases that Alliance Block makes possible with this partnership are, are really quite astounding. I, uh, I, absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely love that. I think we're on the same page. I'm also a massive holder of Quant or believer in Quant, massive believer in Quant, I guess I should say. Um, Chainlink as well. Chainlink, Quant, and, uh, Alliance Block. Um, those are like kind of like the, the big three, but I, I think it, it speaks a lot of volume to what you guys are doing, um, that you guys are partnered with Alliance Block and kind of going down this route because, um, you know, they're going to bring a lot of traditional finance into the space and allow traditional finance to interact with DeFi. And so if you guys kind of being um, the only DEX solution, um, you know, that's that's awesome for you guys. So I, I love that. And just like, just want to say like, congratulations on, the, on the, all the hard work and, and execution you guys are doing because that's a no small feat. And I think it's like something where people look back, you know, three to five years from now and be like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Like it was, the writing was on the wall, like what they were doing here. So it's awesome. Thank you. That's very kind. Damn, Chase. You could, you guys are going to be best friends soon. <laughs> you literally laid out what Chase talks about every single day. <laughs> Let's go. It's good to have other people that are like as tapped in and like understand like where this industry is going. Um, so it's, ma it's massive. Uh, yeah. And again, kudos to you guys for integrating with Alliance Block. I love that. Um, kind of... Uh, Zooming, I guess, zooming out a little bit um, into the future. Um, yeah, like, what are your guys' plans to, you know, continue to increase volume on the exchange and, and attract new users? Yeah, Brandon, you want to take this one? Sure. Um, so we've got our roadmap that we iterated kind of shortly after electing the core team. So we want to make sure all of that is addressed. And one of the, the big ticket items on there was that staking, which just came out yesterday. We've got kind of a bigger landscape now to address some problems more creatively, uh, kind of ways that we haven't specified and locked down how. So I'll tell you one big thing that would be coming uh, would be a complete overhaul of the UI we've got. We've kind of inherited some stuff from Uniswap V2, um, and a big one of them, kind of a recognizable part of that, is that same UI design. So we've been through that. We've added on different things like a, a fiat on-ramp through our partner with Wire. Um, we've added some additional staking pages. We've kind of tweaked it around, optimized some stuff. But like to completely really have a Pangolin brand is going to require redoing that, which also allows us the avenue to do things kind of catering to two different audiences. Um, so we get people through our Telegram and our Discord chat that have you know no experience with DeFi. And I feel for them because they need, you know, more help to go through and understand some of these concepts so they can kind of transition in, you know, comfortably. Um, there are folks that don't need their handheld, want, you know, more data, more tools, more info. 
So our plans to kind of support both of those with a, a pro view and kind of an intro view. I think Binance does a, a similar thing. They might have three views by now. Um, but I believe that's going to do big wonders there. Um, the same thing with the fiat on-ramp, right? If you don't have anything, you need a way to start that. So you're going to have a credit card, you have a bank account, and you want to kind of dabble in there. Doing that with something that will output stuff for taxes and compliance like that is coming pretty shortly, at least part of that is. We're just trying to find like a good understanding of our user base and their pain points and make sure that they can come to Pangolin and not have those. So if we're aware of it, we can get rid of it. And we're kind of aiming for the future to not introduce those. Yeah, just to kind of touch on that from like a an actual user uh, of your guys' protocol, um, you know, I, I bridged over. I found the process extremely easy to bridge. Like if you guys haven't bridged over and you're listening in, definitely like test it and play around. Um, you can bridge over within a few minutes and you can be instantly training on Pangolin with like instant finality and you're paying cents for fees versus, you know, like $30, $40. But um, no, I, I found I found like your guys like user interface like extremely familiar. It was like just very like intuitive to use. Um, so I, like, I, I love that. And, but I also like love the the option in, in the future that there'll become more of a like customized like um, more like of a Coinbase Pro type or Binance Pro type uh, integration like user interface. Now, we've had a few events happen in the network already that involved kind of a, a couple of steps to do to get through it. So before this really good bridge, we had to kind of a migration process internally. And so same thing, we put out tools to try and make that as easy as possible for folks to, to go through. Kind of a UI, we could hold their hand and get people across. And if you don't want to do that, that's cool too. You could do the entire process manually yourself. We're just trying to make sure that we, we always have those options so people feel safe and comfortable using Penguin. Yeah, and you, you mentioned, um, so first just, you know, shout out to Brandon for doing a great job on leading the engineering. He's building some really cool stuff for us. Um, and you mentioned TVL and volume, which are very big uh, metrics for DEX. And one thing we want to revisit that I'm actually publishing something internally on today is the tokenomics of Pangolin. Um, so we, we inherited this project. We didn't have a say in the original tokenomics. And we definitely see some optimizations that we can make. Um, I think it was kind of based on like a having model similar to Bitcoin, but we would like to move towards more of like a, like a declining curved emissions so that, you know, it's not constant for four years and then a big drop. It's more every month you kind of get this gradual slope, right? And then we also recognize that we need to be more flexible with our emissions. Um, you know, right now we emit uh, 175K PNG per day. And it's a bit rigid how, how those are allocated to pools. You know, we like more flexibility with boosting pools, with moving these emissions around, because uh, you know that's that's what DEXs are all about: the capital efficiency. We want liquidity in the right places so that people can come trade with the lowest slippage. So uh, it's definitely on our radar to not only improve the UX experience for users, like Brandon said, but the whole economics, the tokenomics of Pangolin is on our radar too. And is that, um, is that something that could be kind of, I, I'm assuming that would be done through community voting. It would be kind of a proposal that would go through um, the community would vote on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the contracts that uh, hold the PNG, that emit the PNG each day are owned by governance. So it would have to go through on-chain voting to change any of that. And we would just want to do that anyway for the transparency and for the buy-in for sure. Of course. I'm actually curious. Um, I was just I was just browsing on your guys' website as we we're talking now. I don't feel like I saw this before. Maybe I just missed it, but uh, you can trade with leverage on margin swap, kind of from your guys' uh, page. Is that like a new recent integration? Yeah, let me touch on this for a bit. So that's a really exciting integration. Margin Swap was one of the first uh, margin platforms on Avalanche. Um, and so they've integrated with Pangolin. There's a couple tokens you can choose from, you deposit collateral. Uh, you can deposit PNG as collateral, which is very cool, and then get leverage on your trades. We have a couple more projects that we want to integrate with too. So V Finance is launching in a couple of weeks. They're a big partner of ours. We're actually going to help them with a trading incentives program where you can earn PNG to trade over there. 
And we hope that once we get a chain link price feed, we can get integrated as collateral on them too. Um, they're part of the Avalanche Asia Star Fund. So there's some huge investors, I think, like Huobi and a lot of the Asian VCs are investing in them. Um, and I just talked to WowSwap too. They're big on like uh, BSC, Polygon, and they want to integrate Pangolin. So it's just great to have all these options, these partners, with strong communities to integrate with Pangolin and have these leveraged products because we do want to offer it. We don't have as many engineering hours to build it ourselves. So it's great when other people. build it safely hello based um chase super do you guys have any other questions for the crew yeah um i guess just kind of like at a high level is there any, any sort of um hidden gems that are kind of like coming down the line for the community kind of be on the lookout that you guys could share that may may not be like kind of well known yeah, I'll let Justin take this one. I think he just shared one on Twitter yesterday, and maybe he can touch on a couple more. Yeah, um, I mean, there's some cool projects. I, <laughs> it's always a challenging one when you recommend in projects. Like, for example, I tell my dad, and then he loses money and he shouts at me. So <laughs> like, I'm always a little bit uh, nervous. Um, there's some cool projects coming up. There, there was, yeah. Um, it's, it's, I really like Calo. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's like a cool NFT marketplace, um, but it also kind of allows like virtual reality to kind of like navigate through um, the galleries and stuff. That's pretty cool. Um, there was Yay Games that just uh, listed on Avalanche. They're pretty cool too, pretty big. Um, got some cool games coming through. Um, yeah, Lost Worlds, I saw that. Like I just done a peek on them. They look really cool too. I haven't done a deep dive. Now, like, I haven't looked into any of these tokenomics, so, like, don't quote me on it. I'm just purely quoting on what I think are cool things to, like, check out. Um, and then I think there was a monkey one, like a monkey game one, which I'm trying to play, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Wait, were you, were you asking about the ecosystem or specifically for Pangolin? Yeah, no, I was just at, I mean, I love I love the answer for the ecosystem as well because I think it's also great to always get people's uh, inputs that are actually building in a space. But yeah, no, specifically the penguin. But I once again like that the answer was also really really cool because Yay Games has also popped up on my radar. So okay. I like how you've uh, mentioned them as well. Well, I can drop a little bit of alpha, I guess. So um, Justin That's just what we're looking for. Justin just tweeted <laughs> yesterday and he was drawing on like a trading view chart. And he's like, I'm terrible at TA, but I mean, check out this uh, this AVAX price chart. But if you look at the background, it's a very familiar DEX app. And basically what we were trying to hint at is we are doing a big upgrade of our charting um, in our analytics page uh, pretty soon. I think it's ready to go. We just need to push it out there. So that's really exciting. I think we'd, we'd be one of the only DEXs with the full trading view features uh, on Avalanche right now. And then... Um, yeah, just some, some sex listings coming up. Justin's been working so hard. Um, I, I cannot tell you guys how hard it is to get listed on a sex. There's so many hoops to jump through legally, uh, funding it, just paperwork, communications. But Justin's been pushing hard, and we've got some, uh, some pretty good events lined up coming up soon in that regard. Let's go. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. that offer, guys. I'm I'm a huge fan of TradingView, so any decks that has those tools available is, is key. Yeah, you know it's actually interesting. I like, kind of think about this is like one of like the key areas of competition. I feel like is going to be UI. So it's awesome that you guys are thinking about um, expanding that and improving that because um, you know as a user you're not really worried so much about the back end. You're worried about the front end, your, your experience using it. And so um, I think that's going to be like the key area of competition in this industry. I, I tend to agree there. It's also interesting, like when I talk to non-DeFi natives and, and they're like, oh, wait, like there's no mobile apps that I can use. Like the only real one is, you know, there's a lot of wallets and then like one inch has kind of brought theirs out. But like, there's kind of like, it's weird. Like no one's really hit mobile like that hard, which kind of is like, I, I don't really understand it, but it, maybe there, there, there might be something dropping there in a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I said, everything's open source. 
And so if you happen to be digging through a token list to see what's coming next, or a PR out in GitHub to see what features are being tested before they go live, like there's information all over. Subscribe to the uh, the GitHub for the for the alpha. Um, yeah, I got. Oh, you know, I, me and me too. We're actually we're talking about this. Um, this is just completely random question to get your guys' thoughts, but in the metaverse, you know, like you you look at um, these protocols are developing like Axie Infinity or um, you know Decentraland, and you can buy these plots of land. What do you guys think about the kind of uh, return on investment of, say, like a DeFi protocol or just any protocol for that matter, buying plots of land in the metaverse to have a like presence in the metaverse itself? So that way it's like as people are walking around the metaverse, you could have kind of a like, you know, quote, like bank almost, you know, in a sense, like you have like an actual actual physical presentation in the metaverse for your services to where people could interact with them as they're interacting with the metaverse. I'm just curious, like, if you guys have thought about that. Um, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting concept. I really love that. Um, I was actually thinking of something similar when I started yield farming. I was like, if they had like a Farmville app where you just walk around in different yield farms and like watch your little crops grow, that would be so popular. But, but no, I think you're right that, that you know, that's the next step in in DeFi slash NFTs is let's get people more more interactive, right? Um, what I really like being pushed in the NFT space right now is these virtual galleries. Like before you kind of just scroll through some some JPEGs, but but now you can kind of like walk through this virtual museum of all your NFTs and some of the apps that are being built and that's really powerful. And and like you said, um, you know, people have always loved these virtual worlds, you know, starting with like the Sims and, and all of those and now that we can do it on blockchains, now that we can integrate DeFi into it, uh, you know, I really love that concept of why, why not just get all the traditional DeFi apps in there as well. So really powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, to kind of expand on a topic that we were talking about last night with me and me too, um, you know, like imagine if blockchain gaming was around at the peak of like World of Warcraft and imagine if like the guild's vault was using, you know, the in-game currency or Ethereum or Avalanche, whatever it may be, or AVEX. And it was yield farming in real time in the vault using DeFi on the back end. But like not only that, but what if the actual bank or the vault you went to was a in-game plot of land purchased by say like Penguin? Like I think that's kind of where we're heading to in this like metaverse. Um, and it's, it's a fascinating concept because you're just going to have like economies within economies Oh, yeah, I, I can't wait for more of that stuff to be readily available, especially on Avalanche. Um, I know there's a lot of good projects that are coming to build here. Um, Yay Games just launched their token, and, and I know they've got some great ideas and some great backing, too. I mean, what, what are your thoughts, Justin and Brandon? What would you like to see? I'm always conscious that, like, as soon as I'm in games, it's like my productivity goes down. So, like, I love it. Um but yeah, it's. I, I think it's an awesome idea. Like, like from a user experience, right? Also, you got to think of the people coming into it, right? Like, people are used to the gamification concepts. You know, you could level up your farm, you could upgrade your farm. That then gives you access to land. That gives you access to different kind of resources. Um, yeah, I, I, I like. I think it's amazing. I grew up like I love strategy games. Like, I'm a huge civilization nerd. Um, I try not to play it because I just never do any work. So I kind of delete it every few months. <laughs> but yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> if we can get some better integrations like those museums, right? Closer one-on-one -on -one interaction with digital assets and protocols, I think the engagement and the user outreach will be much bigger. Right? If you can put on your VR headset and it's kind of commonplace, like, um, was it Ready Player One? Is that movie? If you can get something like that going, I think that just blows the door wide open. So of the team, I'm probably, I see digital assets more for the value and less for the kind of the beauty of them. But if you get something like that going, I could be a believer too. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting future, and kind of Justin building off your point about uh, wasting time with video games. Like, as we move to this world of the like gamification and monetization of everything, um, that that phrase will be kind of like a forgotten thing. There will be no wasted time because um, you know through this like technology, you'll be able to earn actual like actual money in real time, even though it's an in-game currency. But you can convert that throughout this like larger metaverse ecosystem that's integrated with you know all these various layer one blockchains and, and tokens and these ecosystems um so yeah it's a it's an exciting future i think that's an interesting concept as well and even for the people come like just now coming into DeFi or not knowing how to act on it is those play to earn games is because as we've seen with axie infinity some people have been able to buy cars or houses or life-changing money with a, a free play-to-earn game. Well, not free, you have to buy a character. But it's just super exciting to see, I guess, a different dynamic in the gaming world rather than play-to-win. I mean, uh, pay-to-win. Now it's play-to-earn, and uh, that's super exciting to see. Like on Avalanche, was it Crypto Companions? I have three of those, and that's super cool. You can earn AVAX or uh, GLE on theirs. Yeah, I'm actually curious, Leo, um, Brandon, and, and Justin. What uh, like what 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 do you guys find exciting? One thing that I tend to notice is that um, people's like kind of like past life before they entered crypto kind of like carries over into crypto. Like I've noticed, like a lot of people who have kind of come from the financial world, they really love DeFi. And I, I know some people who like have always enjoyed like comics and and gaming. They like really gravitate towards NFTs and. Um, these blockchain gaming projects. What like what are you guys excited for as as individuals? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, through my job at Pangolin, what what excites me the most is making partnerships with all these great projects building natively or that are already established building elsewhere. You know, I I didn't join Pangolin because I wanted to see just Pangolin succeed. I wanted to see all of Avalanche succeed and the more projects that we bring in here, get them integrated, help them grow. Um, I think that's really, really great for everybody, um, all of T5. As for me on a personal level, um, you know, yield farming is so fantastic. And on Ethereum, I was able to try like one or two farms a week because I didn't want to pay gas to switch around. And then on BSC and Avalanche, I'm trying like 10 different farms a day, just trial and error. And that's so exciting to be able to kind of iterate your own investments in that way, right? You don't have to take out the spreadsheets, get it perfect like on Ethereum, and then go in and just leave it there. It's, it's like a, you can really, really get it right on Avalanche and try different things. So that's what excites me over here. Uh, what about you guys, Justin Brandon? I come from sort of that financial background, you know, finance and sports to different degrees. Wow. So I like the the real-time aspect that you can do, uh, which is a lot more feasible on Avalanche. For instance, if you wanted to design a product that charged you down to the second of use that you did for something, right? Maybe let's say you've got a, a video streaming service, but you only watch like, you know, the Super Bowl once a year. So you don't want to pay for all those other weeks or the other times, or maybe you turn it off during the commercials. You can do that with pretty good precision and charge that real time in crypto. And I think something like that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, like I come from an enterprise traditional finance background. Um, so I love DeFi. Uh, what I love about DeFi is it's super competitive and I'm kind of competitive by nature. So like, I love it. It's like the adrenaline. It's like you constantly like working a million miles an hour and you just meet in incredibly talented people, smart people, passionate people. Um, but like, I really like what I really dig, like, and I think maybe this is probably a bit quite far in the future is like, I see crypto communities forming sovereign nations and I could be completely wrong and completely delusional, but I think it's going to happen. You're going to have these communities with so much money behind them within their currency and, you know, them purchasing a piece of land in Portugal or in some country and then eventually declaring independence. Like, I don't know, man, like that's the kind of future I want to live in. So like those sorts of things excite me, like the, like the 
boundless potential of the space and like new forms of governance that actually care about people um and actually yeah so so that social aspect i think is incredibly intriguing to me you see you want to you hop you want to hop in on that no because we like this is something we've been talking about for a while like building based islands like having all of the crypto guys get together uh form a community i know link has like the citadel where everyone everyone comes together and is welcome i think this the community that we already see here like look how many people are engaged on crypto twitter or nft twitter people coming together people educating each other people helping each other like is there's no other space that's this collaborative and uh yeah man i a hundred percent agree that uh that the downfall of nation states is near and yet new new empires new digital empires will rise and i think that that's that's the future Yeah, I, I think um, I think one thing we'll see generally just speaking across the board is like it's um, the rise of like communities and it's the rise of like communities around like passions or causes that as individuals you care about and you feel that it's worth contributing your time, effort and um, skills to. Um, and I think that's really like where like this whole industry is kind of going and like why, you know. I love it and, and kind of like one of the most like important things about it because, you know, everyone has different interests and outlooks on the world and we all have like the different causes that we want to contribute to if we didn't have our typical like nine to five job to just to pay our rent. Right. So like, what does the world look like if there's a new way to support yourself monetarily to where you have a little bit more selectivity and what you put your time and effort towards and the problems you try to solve? I think the crypto space definitely does facilitate that community aspect, right? If you engage with, with Amazon or YouTube or whoever, there is really no path to get direct access to the people, you know, kind of representing and working at those, those agencies. But if you're using Pangolin, right, you, you know, it's, it's me, Justin, Leo. We just got two new um, developers that we've kind of got voted in, uh, Sarjud Abdullah. A whole squad of mods, and if you engage with the platform, you have pretty much direct access, for better or for worse, with the entire team, right? So you, you get a feel for who helped you out. You can DM some folks to get help again. You know, other people in the community that are hanging around that could help you the same way. And I don't think there's that level of engagement with any other platforms or businesses out there outside of crypto. One, yeah, I would I would agree with that completely. And I, I think us having this conversation is like proof of that in of itself. Um, you know, just like reaching out to, a, you know, a, a business and say, you know, hey, you want to come on the show and talk to the community? You know, it just doesn't happen in, in other industries. So. Yeah, Chase and Mewtwo and I have talked about this multiple times. It's like there's never, like, for me, I haven't seen a time where you have direct access to people that run these protocols that are going to be the top 10 protocols or the top 50 protocols in the future. And just having those network connections is going to help you so much in the, in the future. So if you're listening and like you want a job in the crypto space, reach out to a lot of these projects that we have on, including Penguin, and I'm sure they need help. Um, and that's one way to get your foot in the door just as somebody who's listening and, uh, and wondering. Yeah, that's a great comment. Like we're always looking for people. Like it's it's a community deck. Like and 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 the thing is, I think some people feel so uh, intimidated. They're like, oh yeah, I don't have experience in crypto. It's like, dude, <laughs> no, hardly anyone has experience in crypto because it's so young in so many ways. Like you know, like come in, get involved, learn. Like the the cool thing is, we're embraceive. We're like we we want to teach we want people to leave their shitty corporate jobs and come hang out in DeFi. like that's the, the most rewarding thing to see so yeah we're, we, we're always open to people joining our community yeah, i just want to give a shout out to ll crypto jay's listening in and he was just hanging out in our telegram for a while answering questions as a community member and we're like hey do you want to 
want to be a moderator. So we brought him on, and now he's a full-time mod. He had some price spots for us. He wrote our Git book, and he's just contributing in so many ways. And, and that's the path that a lot of people take. You know, I, I got my career started that way. I was a Snowball user, and they didn't have a UI. And I'm like, okay, I'll build you a front end in a day. Just a really, really crappy one. But it actually became their, their full-time front end for like a month before it got better. Um, and it became so busy, I quit my job and did that full-time. And it's just, you know, people don't go through formal interview processes and prep for coding tests. They kind of just start helping out and get hired. And that's what I've noticed how DeFi works. It's been like a constant theme on every, every project we've, every project and company we've had on. It's just volunteering and, and getting involved is like the key to penetrating and becoming part of crypto. Damn. Uh, we, uh, we, we sometimes leave room at the end to allow uh, listeners to come on. Are you guys, are you guys cool if we allow, allow some listeners to come on if they want and ask, and ask questions? Yeah, we love that. Let's do it. Hey, if anyone's listening now has a passion, questions for the group, just request now. We'll let you guys on one at a time. I thought we were about to talk about how good the community was and then just say nobody can talk. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. <laughs> no, no. Nah, com- community is everything, man. I some some of the companies and projects I've seen, it, they just don't get that though. They just don't understand the community's key to crypto, and those are the projects I tend to avoid. Uh, looks like no one has questions. Shout out Mike from Chainlink in here. I see you, brother. Appreciate you. Um, Super Chase, any any other thoughts? Uh, no, I feel like I got my questions in. Um, I really appreciate you guys coming on and spending your evening with us to talk about crypto. Um, you know, and I look forward to kind of like watching your guys' journey from here. Plus one to Chase, and I, I want you to. Oh, I want to thank you guys both coming on here, and uh, for all three of you coming on here. Sorry, I'm driving as well, <laughs> uh, and, and just educating us on Penguin. So. Plus one to everything, Jason. Oh, Looks we, like do. we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we got one. We got one. Let's go. What up, Daniel? I think he was still connecting. Hey, Daniel. Hey, you go, Daniel. Hello, can you hear me now? Yeah, how's it going, man? Welcome to the base hey. space. Hey, I've been here a couple of times. I'm just, you know, lurking around and not really saying much, but... Uh, yeah, I, I was wondering if there's any particular IDOs any of you guys are paying attention to in, in your particular fields and space. So is this for the Pangolin team or for, for our hosts? Um, Both, really. Um, more of a community particular. Sure. So uh, we're partnered with Avalanche, which is the premier IDO platform on Avalanche. They have some great projects in their lineup. They just did an IDO for Yay Games, which I think is going to be huge. I think it's oh, yeah. going to be like directly competing with Axie. And I think they have one, uh, Kalau, coming up, which is another premier NFT platform. Avalanche doesn't have a really good NFT marketplace yet. There's some like amateurish ones, but no like open seas quality NFT marketplaces. And that's the space they're gunning for. So I'm really, really big on that project. It's coming up, their IDO. Can, can I jump in? I'll mention, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit probably outside of um, Avalanche, um, but it kind of is related to Avalanche. So storage is going to be a huge thing, right? So like the storage layer on blockchains. All we've and IPFS are kind of, you know, your two kind of things. There's a protocol called Carve, which uh, allows any blockchain to connect to Arweave as a storage layer. So I think that's really cool. And then I'm very, very bullish on identity layers. Um, so Bloom is one that, that I really like a lot too. That's brilliant. Anybody else? I'm pretty low key right now. No, I, nothing, nothing top of mind. <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much for the uh, for the chat, guys, and uh, thank you very much for the um, the space in general. I uh, tend to come in whenever I have the chance.
Absolutely, brother. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Thank you much. Thanks, Daniel. Hey, Leo. Hey, Harry. How's it going? Uh, got a quick question for you guys. Um, I don't know if you're aware of it, but to use the new Avalanche Bridge, you actually need a Chainlink price feed, which yeah, is great. We love that over here at Chainlink. However, uh, there are a lot of uh, you know, projects hitting us up uh, wanting to get a Chainlink feed, but they might not you know, qualify for it because they don't have the liquidity or they might not be listed on enough exchanges. Uh, however, yeah, I think this kind of harms the Avalanche ecosystem a little bit because you have these projects that, that want to be part of the ecosystem. However, um, they, they just can't migrate their token uh, over there. So I was wondering uh, if there's another bridge besides the new bridge that came out, if there's a way to maybe wrap tokens on one chain and you know, have them on another. Um, thanks. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take this, Leo, if that's okay. Um, so I've spoken to Avalab. It's not a hard requirement for Chainlink price feed. Um, they are willing to make um, certain um, kind of, yeah, uh, but generally, you know, it is kind of, a, 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 it's a major blocker. Any swap is one bridge that we see a lot of usage uh, out of. Um, there's also the Zero team have released a Relayer uh, bridge, which is also based upon the ChainSafe uh, chain bridge. Um, and then there's a few other versions or projects. Meta uh, also runs the chain safe chain bridge. Um, just with any of those things, you kind of got to just warn projects that, yes, you can get your token into the ecosystem, but just be aware that there may be token fragmentation if you bet on the wrong horse. So what I mean by that is, let's say you use any swap bridge, you've got like a version of your token and then you use Meta bridge. Now you've got two versions of that token and then theoretically you might have like uh, discrepancies in price, especially then if you have uh, fragmented liquidity. Um, so yeah, there's no easy solutions there, unfortunately, but any swap seems to be emerging as the kind of second most popular choice after AB Bridge. Awesome. Thank you so much. You just made my life so much easier. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime, mate. Let's go. Based space doing industry talks. Let's go. <laughs> We're connecting everyone. I love it. Thank man. you, Mike. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Thanks for having me. I think that's it, guys. And let's uh, give it a few, another second or two. No? Well, uh, Leo, Justin, Brandon, really, really appreciate you guys just taking the time out of your day to come on the base space again. Uh, huge thanks. And, uh, you know, it's really, really interesting just diving more into, um, into Pangolin, learning more about how the community's involvement is uh, affecting the, the decks. And, um, yeah, honestly, just really look forward to seeing like where, where the decks goes and, um, yeah, let's definitely stay in touch. Hey, thanks so much for having us on. It was a great chat. Uh, I really enjoyed it and learned a lot too from you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, right I mean, to actually figure out the whole Twitter spaces thing. So, uh, see y'all. It's been good job. Let's go. Yeah, this, is, this is my first Twitter space, and it was awesome. Yeah, like super cool. Love talking to you guys. Awesome. Let's uh, go. We do Where's record Twitter these. Or, are you guys cool with us posting this up on YouTube? Oh, yeah. Please please post it, and we'll uh, retweet it from the main Banglon account and get a lot of exposure for it. So, love that. Let's go. All right, everyone. Stay based.